powered by Adept Group. This is the Unpacking Excellence Podcast with Daniel Beardsworth. Daniel Beardsworth. Bringing together top packaging professionals to share insight and knowledge on all things packaging. Now, introducing your host, Daniel Beardsworth. Um, joining me today as my co-host is uh, one of our sustainability leads, MJ Werlein. And our guest today is uh, Bob Hawkinson, the founder and owner of Green IP, which manufactures uh, Recede Bioplastics. How are we all doing today? Great. Oops. How are you doing, Daniel? Outstanding. Thanks, Daniel. Yeah, hey, uh, very well. And I'm Jay, good to, good to talk to you too. Yeah, nice to meet you virtually. Yeah, absolutely. And, and thank you both for, for joining me today. I think we're uh, have, have an exciting discussion about um, kind of what, what you, the work you do, Bob, and, and sort of the topic of bioplastics and, and the you know, sort of plastic uh, issue in general. Yeah, um, absolutely. So can you tell me just a little bit about uh, your work with you know, Green IP and Receive Bioplastics? Uh, what, what exactly do you guys do? So uh, I, I started out, I can give you, you want the long or the short answer? We got all the time in the world, Bob. Oh, let's, right. go, let's go with the long right answer. On. Right on. We're good. Um, I, I, I did not want to be in, in this. I didn't want to develop and create a new, pretty amazing bioplastic. My goal was to just buy one in the marketplace for to match my patent that I have in place for a, for a mulch bag that opens up basically flat and you spread the mulch over it and it stays in place and biodegrades and it blocks weeds until it completely goes away. So, uh, so I... I wanted to use the right material and I couldn't find it. So um, I wound up hooking up with a guy who is the, one of the most brilliant bioplastics chemists in the country, if not the world. And he's, he's really, really good at what he does. And we've been working on this for gosh, almost 10 years. I mean, I, I was looking at this stuff back before anybody was even talking about sustainability or, or biodegradability on plastics and things. And I think most of my family and everybody probably thought I was crazy, but but I'm glad to see 10 years later that <laughs> the rest of the world is, doesn't think I'm crazy. But uh, so we wound up we wound up having to make a material, a uh, lot of testing, a lot of trialing, running just a lot of time, a lot of money, a lot of effort. Uh, and we came up with a really strong, uh, very ductile uh, ability to make a bioplastic and then got it tested and it tests. Uh, right up there with polyethylene as far as strength and ductility. And it, um, it is ASTM tested uh, for soil and marine biodegradability. So to, uh, so it, it That's actually, amazing. Yeah. What's, it, what's it, the, what's the material? Do you know the specific properties on that? Is it yeah, PBOH, it's, POH, PBH? It's, it's actually, it's a, it is a highly modified PBS. Um, and we have a patent pending on it um, that we expect is going to be coming very soon. But it's um, it's a it's unlike the qualities of that normal material. So we figured out how to take that and make it work to do what we make, need to make it do. Um, and so we spent a lot of time and effort to do lots of things with it. So that whole thing was to get my product to market. And we realized, hey, this stuff is really strong. This stuff really works. This stuff really blocks weeds. It really holds on until you want it to die. And then it does. And then we realize that we can extrapolate that into a lot of other products, a lot of the markets. So agricultural film for uh, uh, farming and those sort of things. Um, we've done extrusions with it. Um, 
we got some interesting products that we're going to launch here pretty shortly. So we're, we're working on about seven products right now with, with companies that are really interesting things. And I can't really describe them all yet because we have some non-disclosure agreements in place, but. Oh, that's all right. That's fine. Yeah. There it's all really cool stuff. It's all NDA. Uh, I mean, it's all, uh, most of it's in the ag space, but, um, but it, it's a lot of stuff that you would normally use or see and all of every one of the applications has really big impact because there's a lot of plastic used currently in all those situations. So what we're really doing is we're making, we're getting rid of persistent plastics in the environment. That's what we're doing. And, and that's amazing effort. I'm, I'm all for that because we have so much, we have so much. And so with that, how does how does the material actually work? So you lay it down in an agricultural field and it biodegrades naturally, but over a short period of time or a long period of time, what's the degradability rating on that? So our interesting thing about um, biodegradation, so it starts off with disintegration, right? So yep. um, what happens with a lot of this, the persistent plastics is they'll go through disintegration which causes microplastics and then they stop. They don't biodegrade. Uh, ours continues through the process and we're consumed by microbes and the outputs are CO2 and, and H2O. Uh, we're about 60% biopreferred. We're about, um, so we're plant-based, we're about 60%. And so it's, uh, it, 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 we get consumed, we get completely eaten. So like in an agricultural process, what happens is, uh, when somebody puts ag film down, uh, the sun sits there and and the UV starts to break it apart. Yeah. So you get lots of tiny microfracturing plastic that that starts breaking off, right? And if you've got irrigation or rainfall, those little pieces start running out and moving over to retention ponds, and uh, and and so you start moving into a marine environment. Um, so that's one of the reasons that our product it really to be considered with ASTM as a uh, soil biodegradable material, you have to be marine biodegradable also because it, they know that it moves, those, those particles move. And so when, if we wind up in a soil or marine environment, we will, we will biodegrade. So, so, and do you know of any residual microplastics that are left behind when that happens? as it degrades down? Uh, how do you mean? I'm not sure what I, I follow what you mean. So you've seen articles recently that, you know, we found plastics in humans and there's all these microplastic issues with little tiny micro and nanoplastic pieces or, yeah. or chemicals that are left behind that you can't even see. So has, has this been found in any of the testing? Yeah, so we what happens is we're yeah because the the testing shows us as, as we're over ninety percent biodegrading in the water and the soil, uh, actually almost one hundred percent in the soil they're showing. But what happens is they stop at around ninety uh, percent. We even went beyond that to ninety one, almost ninety two percent are testing. But they figure when they get to that point, you, you it's almost plus or minus ten to where they can tell. Um, so they don't really go beyond that, um, but. If there is anything left at all, it continues to get consumed until it, it's reduced to just like a, you know, when you've got a carbon-based product or uh, animal or tree or whatever, 
is going to get consumed with your outputs being CO2 and H2O. I mean, it's, it's going to get broken down by the first with, you know, the soil food web and then the microbial activity, bacteria, and uh, all those things. So we, we go hope. away, we go away. Yeah, that's, I was, that's great. I was reading up cool. a, a little bit on this topic, um, you know, sort of to just to, to bone up and, and be able to have a more intelligent conversation with you. And I saw that uh, a report that the UN released last year from their food and agricultural organization, um, they said that, that um, you know, soils contain more microplastics than oceans. And, um, you know, yes. like the, the agricultural industry overall is using like 12 and a half million tons a year, but specifically for, for um, crops and, and livestock, it's like 10.2 million tons. And so yeah. anything that we can do to help, um, you know, kind of cut that down, I, I think it will make a huge difference. Yeah, absolutely. I, it's, it, it really is. And I, that's why I said, that's why when I started, I mean, I could have, <laughs> it would have been easy to quit 50 times because it, it's been really difficult, uh, but we got there. And, and I think that's just how things, new products happen. You, you plow through, you make it happen. And it takes tenacity to drive through and, and do it. But the gentleman I was working with, He's highly involved with, with uh, the the a lot of the uh, committees and boards and things with sustainability and testing and those sort of things. And he always made sure that we did the right thing. He said, you know, uh, what about this material? Nope. <laughs> what about this? <laughs> nope. <laughs> was, I kept running in all these nopes, and it was kind of frustrating. Um, but we got to a point where uh, we figured it out and just did a lot of time and trial and testing and, and, and got it done. So it's, it, it's interesting because it, it, it can leverage into so many different things. I mean, we can do fishing line, we could do nets, we can do, if it's a soil and marine contact, it's very possible we'd be a good solution for it. And so is there, is this one of the new polymers they're looking at that has say, um, silk in it for strength that's biodegradable or or is this just I know it's a patented super secret material but I'm just interested now as to what this material is so what it so when you look at all these silks or you hemp and all these other things those are typically they're those are blending in fillers and mm -hmm. a lot of time it's cheaper to put in a filler than it is to put in the actual material so that's what you're seeing sometimes. And, and so what, you, what really matters is when you're looking at claims, I looked at one today, there was, they were talking about how, hey, we're biodegradable and compostable. And, and I'm looking at their material and I'm thinking, this doesn't sound right because the application they were showing. So I, I went on their website, I went through everything, pulled up their, what their claims were. If you make a claim, if you look at my website, you see what my claims are and you'll see what the terminology is and, and timeframes and things like that. So their claims quoted, they claim biodegradable, but their testing was to compostable. That's completely different. Now, compostable and biodegradable. They are yes. not the same. But in Europe, they often use compostable and biodegradable as the same terminology. And, and they don't do that here. We don't allow no. Yeah. So I see that a lot. They'll call compostable biodegradable. And that's not how we say it here. Yeah. Well, and that's kind of one of the issues we're having in the packaging space is, you know, we're being asked and pushed to push things into biodegradable or, well, there is really not a lot of certifications for biodegradable, so you understand that, but to push it into compostable packaging, but the problem is, is most of the uh, facilities 
the infrastructure is not there. And there's only about 100, 150 facilities in the United States that will actually take packaging and compost it. Most other composting facilities just want the packaging as a vehicle to get food waste yes and compost the food waste so they can have organic compost mm-hmm. I absolutely agree it's um so the interesting thing about if you put a compostable like a pla so you take a compostable material and it gets in a marine environment it does not marine biodegrade or you get right. a compostable like that in a soil situation where it's you know side of the road or winds up in the dirt it doesn't biodegrade it only composts in an industrial processing facility and they go through where they get the temperatures up and they they turn the material and you know it has to disappear at the end of a year um so that's that's a different animal and like i say people interchange it and biodegradable is difficult compostable that's a lot easier well in theory many 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 things are biodegradable but for instance, a tree. A tree, in theory, is biodegradable, but when it falls in the forest, it's not going to break down and degrade for a hundred years. Yeah, and yeah, lignin takes forever. I mean, lignin takes a long time. And uh, so, so we, we biodegrade about as fast as cellulose in the water. So we we go away about when people talk about papers. Papers take longer than you think they do, or the, because the, the cellulose takes longer than you would think. But yep. we're very similar in time to uh, complete biodegradation to to uh, cellulose. And what's that timeline? Uh, it depends on, so what you have is, I go back to disintegration, right? So how yep. long does it take to disintegrate? And that's all based on microbial activity. And microbial activity is based on temperature, moisture, sometimes UV you'll see, it will tend to, for disintegration can speed it up. Um, well, if it's an open, if it's an open place, yeah. Correct. And then sometimes fertility can, can affect things. So um, so disintegration you know, in our testing, when we've been doing the bags and things, we get about, it's, it's about, we start to disintegrate in, but see, that's interesting. What I'm trying to do with my materials, I have to survive the packaging, uh, of mulch, which mm-hmm. basically you've got this bag and it goes boom and drops two cubic feet into the bag and that bag yeah. has to hold together. And then it gets flattened, has to go on a pallet stored outside for months and then sold. And then customer takes it home, opens it up, lays it out flat, puts it in their bed, and then it needs to hold on for at least a season. So we're, we're trying to do two opposite things. And then at the end we kill it, right? So it was a really, it was a really difficult <laughs> scenario to try and make happen, but we did it. And, and it's, it, it allows it to, the strength to go through that whole retail and filling manufacturing process and then serve a second uh, a second life to the consumer because mulch bags people don't realize there's billions of those things every year and yeah they, it's crazy the amount of volume I see them on the sides of the roads that my kids always make fun of me because I always stop and take pictures of mulch bags on the side of the roads and or when people are throwing mulch bags away by their garbage, I'm always the one that we're taking photos. I'm always picking up trash. It's I'm, I'm yeah, yeah, I'm out there picking people. up garbage and taking photos. And I'm like, what are you doing? I got to get to soccer. <laughs> <laughs> Give me a minute. <laughs> so it's kind of funny. Yeah, um, you, t- you totally got to do that. It's like, oh, look at this. <laughs> oh, I know. It's it's, but it just drives me crazy. I, I just see stuff everywhere, and it's to me, it's really frustrating because. So sustainability, 
is, you know, they, they talk about, you know, using re- renewable, reusable, recyclable material that yep. it processes sort of to minimize your environmental impact or effect. Um, and that's, that, that's a really gray area. Um, I see a lot of companies doing a lot of really cool things. And I see a lot of companies that are really kind of uh, iffy <laughs> on some of their claims. <laughs> There's a lot of that. Yeah. And so it's, yeah, I, I, I think it's always right to do the right thing. Long-term, that's the win. Uh, you, you can't, you, you can't, you can't do false things. You can't and, and no. try and push sales. You got to do the right thing. Well, making false claims is also going to get you into trouble, right? Because well, people sooner or later will, will go, wait a minute, I dug up my plants and this mulch bag didn't disintegrate. It's still here. Yeah. You know, or they, they buy it again next year because it did disintegrate. And right. honestly, that's really quite clever. I mean, as far as the, the egg plastic that you're, you're, you've created and a mulch thing. I mean, like thinking about that, you cut open three sides, you lay it down, pump it over onto its own bag. And that bag can serve as like a weed protector. Yep. That's what we do. It's Mike. So it's microperfed. So water and air yep. can go through, and then it's a, it's a perforated opening system. So you just peel the bag apart. Yeah. That's, that's super clever. I mean, kudos to you. And uh, where are your main, where do you sell this the most? I mean, it, can it be found at Home Depot or? Not yet. Not yet. I just, I'm, I'm actually going to reach out to those guys very shortly. Um, the, so COVID, COVID hurt us uh, for yeah. two years. We weren't able to get into plants. So uh, we're hoping in about two months, we're going to be able to start some production on, on some material. And once we do that, then we're going to come locally and I'm going to start locally and we're just going to start filling. But the, the beauty of what I'm doing is I can't, the, the, it is such massive uh, usages out there that the beauty is what my goal is to do is to license to companies that want to do the right thing and are looking for a it's actually, it's a marketing benefit to them because uh, customers are looking for people who are, are, are doing sustainable products and doing the right thing. And so we believe that it's a, it's a PR, very positive PR for the companies that, that do the right thing. So definitely it always is. And I, I mean, I commend you for coming up with these great clever ideas because everyone can do their own part if you if anybody can come up with smart ideas and find ways to implement them or even sell the ideas to other people to implement that's what we need right now in the sustainability space is innovation and people Great. with the gumption to push ideas forward you're you know and you're exactly right you know i don't want to own 16 plastic plants there's people who already own that and they're all these big companies already work with those guys. My goal is to license into those guys for the retailer and work with their, their existing channels. You know what I mean? I'm, my goal is to, to help, help them get our product out there and, and let them benefit because they've already got their own vendors, their own production, their own shipping, their own already in the SKUs. You know what I mean? It's, it's just all. Yeah. You just want to sell the resin. Yeah, we want to we want to sell the concept of the products and license the products and and with the resin being part of that. And so it would 
it would allow them to do because some of our some of our patents are actually application uses, but it would be using our material. So we're we're sort of doing multiple things that allow them to do sort of smart and innovative things that aren't happening right now, but are we're we're about to bring a bunch of cool things to market. Oh, definitely. And and I guess with that question, as far as competitors, are there any competitors you have in this space? So I, I know this sounds like a really strange answer, but I'd say ignorance is my biggest competitor. Um, it's, does that, I don't know if that make sense? I don't mean to sound like a smart aleck, but no, really, not at all. It's really ignorance of, of what's out there and ignorance of what can happen because what happens is I, I mean, I'm on here a lot on LinkedIn and you know, people will blame me for a lot of things that I know these other products do that we don't do that. Right. And so you get lumped in uh, with these really iffy companies. And, and so you're always fighting to try and teach them and show them no, we're actually the good guys. We're doing the right stuff. So, um, you know, we're, we're going to be more expensive than regular, you know, polyethylene. It doesn't get much cheaper than that. Even though it's been going up, we're going to be more, but when you get to the total product, it's not that much more, you know what I mean? As a percentage, right. right? Um, so I, I think if you get a company that's out there right now and they got their brand all over something, if that bag blows out of the back of the truck or winds up in a, the side of the road or blows into somebody's yard, you know, your brand just took a hit, right? Somebody's cussing whoever that brand, that product is uh, because they're not happy seeing that waste, that, uh, that unsustainable waste out there, that persistent pl plastics and things like that. So, And do you think that at any point in time, I mean, as I know you can't see it in the future, but at any point in time, would you partner with say a big brand like Scott's or, you know, one of those true green, not true green. That's a yeah, no, absolutely. Us, you no. know what I mean? Right. No, that would, that would be my goal is ultimately to work with, with large brands that fulfill for large retailers. Oh, see, that would yeah. be amazing. And hopefully things like this podcast can help get your name out there. That'd be awesome. That'd be awesome. We, uh, you know, that's, that is my goal. That is my game plan. I mean, that's what, that's what I'm looking to do. I'm looking for the, I'm looking for the right people to work with who want to, who, who get it. Um, I, you guys have probably been watching here the last year or so or two and just seeing how people are absolutely throwing rocks at plastic. Um, and so, and if your brand's all over plastic, then you're probably throwing rocks at your brand. <laughs> you know what I mean? They're, they expect that. Well, and, and it all comes down again, it all comes back to infrastructure. It so what, what people aren't understanding is that they themselves sometimes aren't taking the extra step to put something Absolutely. in the proper recycle bin. Absolutely. And even then, you know, regionally, we don't have any kind of recycling or collection of these materials in place nationally. Like it's there, but it's not, it's state regulated. Yeah. And, and I tell you, I grew up in Michigan and we had a 10 cent can deposit. You paid it when you bought, you got 10 cents back when you took it back to the store. You took it right. back to the store. And that was my gas money for college. Sure. And at college, we all left our cans behind for the homeless guys. Yeah. And they made they made money to live. Yes. And yes. but there was an incentive there that people kept their cans and took them back. And I think that people just really aren't incentivized to do something. 
Uh, I think that's one of the one of the big um, misconceptions. Um, MJ, you can probably talk about this you know, more in depth than I am. But um, most places like curbside recycling is really only uh, you know like recycling numbers one and two, and that's what uh, PET and, and HDPE. Um, but most of those others are are technically recyclable, but there really isn't the infrastructure in, in place to to take care of that. Yeah, they get hauled off to some random locations that take those mixed plastics. So it used to be we would just take them and ship them over to China. And then they said, no, no, we're, we don't want that anymore. Right. So now recyclers have to sort it and take any of the mixed plastics and take them out to a different location that processes them. And that's a lot of money that now they have to spend. So the incentives, if they're not getting paid a lot for what they're trying to collect and claim, then they're not going to be incentivized even at that level to take care of their material. Um, Rob, we, we talked a little bit about, uh, or, or a lot rather, about you know, kind of the specifics of, of your company and, and sort of what you're doing, but I wanted to see if we could zoom out a little bit. Um, I know you touched on a little earlier, you mentioned like ignorance being one of the biggest obstacles. We'll call it uh, awareness and, and misinformation to be a little more uh, <laughs> uh, PC about it. But that um, a kinder, gentler way to say it. Yes. So I, I know you said that's one of the biggest challenges, but are there any other kind of big issues that you see as being obstacles to a more widespread use of bioplastics? Um, so I always go back to end of life, right? What is the end of life? So for like a material like mine, any any application where it's going to be done, its end of life is going to be in the soil or in the water. Pretty good potential for us being a good candidate. Uh, while we can do food contact, if you're going to throw my product and we're BPA-free, phthalate-free, PFAS-free, have a clean MSDS sheet, um, but if you're going to throw me in the garbage can, I'm like everybody else. Nobody can claim landfill biodegradable because um, you don't know where you're going to wind up in a landfill, right? Are you going to wind up next to the uh, sheetrock and the construction debris with no microbial activity or you're going to be in a wet area of the dump or, uh, I mean, it's, they don't, they can't really test it. So they don't really allow it. Um, even though you'll see some people try and say things, uh, there's yep. really nothing that, that shows testing that I've ever seen. And the, the folks that I work with say, give it a blessing. Um, they, they always tell me the exact same thing. You, you, there was a lot of, there was a 13 companies, I think sued in California a few years back. On, yeah. I think they were using, were they using OXOs maybe? They were claiming biodegradable and the, basically the government came in and said, well, it's going to a landfill. So that doesn't really count. Um, so they, they wound up making them pull that. And I think they all got fined. Um, you know, Keurig just got in trouble. Uh, and, you know, years ago, I met the guy that invented that at, at the plastic show. And he was all excited about, you know, how he could impact the environment and the, you know, the compostable material and all that. And it was really a good guy. His heart was in the right place. You could tell, and I'm pretty sure that's who licensed with them. Could be wrong. Um, but, you know, it's there again, you go back to claims. It's all about what are your claims and, and what is the reality of, of where is that going to end up? So, yeah, could I, do a, uh, could I do a plastic packaging around a certain food item? More than likely. But if you're just going to throw it in the garbage, then I'm you know, there's no advantage to me over a, a standard poly, probably less advantage because I'm going to be more expensive, right? Unless you blow out of the back of a truck and I wind up in a ditch and I'm going to buy a degree. 
Well, possibly, right? right. If it's a roll of material, how long will that take? What's that? If it's a roll of material, how long would that take in its roll form, right? Right. It'd take a while. Yeah. Right. So I go back to disintegration. How long, how thick is it? How big is it? How, how long does it take to disintegrate? So, um, but it, there's a lot of uses for what we're doing. Like we can do 3D printing. We can do, um, we can do a lot of stuff. Um, it's just finding the right applications that make sense where we would be a good solution for end of life. Um, and, and people that are in agriculture is a lot of that. Marine can be a lot of that. We're not currently doing anything, but, but could. I'm actually looking for people, if they wanna do any testing, we can figure it out. We're a surprisingly strong bioplastic. So that's, that's great. Yeah. We would love, to, I mean, I personally would love to see more marine degradable items. I mean, we don't want things out in the oceans, but definitely there's fishing lines and buoys and fishing nets and things that just, mm -hmm. they get out there without even leakage. They're put out there purposely and yeah. then sometimes forgotten about or animals get caught up in them and take mm -hmm. them away to some right. other location. So it's, it's, you're doing a good job here. I appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah, it's it's you know it's really interesting. I've 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 gotten to see some really really cool deal with some really really cool people who have a good heart for trying to achieve their goals um, with these these materials. And so it's it's really nice to see that people are thinking that are, they're thinking about it and they're thinking they want to be part of the solution and they want to, they want to do good things. Um, so that's, that's exciting. I think, I think consumers are going to keep driving that. And I think maybe some of the larger brands are starting to feel that and they're starting to understand it. Um, so it's, um, you know, it's coming. It's, and I think it's going to be mostly consumer driven. They're, they're at a point where they've, and it, well, it just it, makes sense. I don't, I don't like having all those empty soil and mulch bags that I have to now throw away. They take up and, and garbage containers are getting smaller and smaller too. Right. Yeah. So if you can't recycle it, which that container is getting bigger. Right. Yeah. They've, I've been to our Murph here, uh, our recycling facility, basically it's pretty massive. Um, and yeah, the mulch bags, people put them in their, uh, the recycle bins, they just pull them out and put them down the landfill chute at the, at the MRF, uh, cause yeah. they're, they're contaminated. You can't do anything with them. Um, one of the other interesting things about recycling. So our city here in the County, Which I am, city are you in? Uh, so I'm in North Florida, so All right. ja Jacksonville. And, uh, and they, they had a, um, you know, they put out a letter and said, Hey, we're only going to accept these types of plastics going through the conversations with the people that work there, basically those are the plastics that have value, like you yep. were mentioning earlier. And so the ones that are hard to recycle or don't have the easily obtained value, they don't take because they use the value of that materials to help offset some of the costs of recycling. And so yep. that's that's one of the problems you got. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I it, so, <laughs> it's so easy to make it to make it uh an incentive for people to to do the right thing and it just isn't getting done and even when the recyclers themselves are just saying i only want what's what's a value that doesn't help 
Correct. Correct. And well, the recyclers are saying that because that's what the cities are willing to, to fund. Right. Because right. The, the cities will get money back from those plastics as part of that contract. So, right. They're, they're not necessarily being green. They're, they're, they're somewhat, but there's dollars involved. So uh, as with everything, you have to figure out how to fund it and make it work. And, you know, same with, with waste. Uh, me personally, I think in 10 or 20 years, I've always said when I was younger, I was like, man, I should get the ability to uh, mine these uh, landfills because there's got to be all kinds of value in this place. <laughs> well, they do it in they do it in other countries. Now they're open landfills most of the time, but they they do they send people out to go mine for things to sell and trade, which yeah. is it's kind of sad um, mm. that that happens. But it's it's real. It's what it, the world is at, and. Mm. It's unfortunate that we just we close up our landfills and I mean at least take the methane that's produced and fuel vehicles do something good right. with the landfills besides just skate parks. Exactly, no, I agree 100. You're you're spot on. Um, well, we, we touched a little on on end of life there, and I think that's a good point to to wrap up on. Uh, so, um, th uh, thanks again, Bob, for for making some time for us today, and, and MJ, thanks for kind of coming in and and being my very knowledgeable co-host on this. Oh, it was fun. It was great to meet Bob, and yeah, so absolutely. appreciate the time. Um, yeah, my pleasure. Thank you for having me on. I I, I always enjoy talking this stuff. And you mentioned a couple times, um, you know, kind of looking for people to partner with on some some different applications of it. If people want to learn more about what you're doing, what's the best place they can go to kind of, you know, learn about what you're doing and, and get in touch? So recedebioplastics.com, R-E-C-E-D-E, bioplastics.com is, is the easiest way. It has my contact on there and uh, gives you some idea about the materials that we're using. But we can, and, and we're going to be straight up honest with you too. If somebody asks and says, Hey, what about this? And you're going to be like, eh, you know what? There's, there's probably other materials that are better that would do that. Um, or we'll say, well, yeah, we can do that. You know, well, let's test it and let's see what happens. So, um, or we've already tested something, you know what I mean? So uh, that, that's probably the best and easiest way. Great. Well, it was exciting to hear, you know, about what you're working on and kind of where you see it going. Uh, hopefully we'll we'll hear more about what your, your the materials you're working on and, and the work you're doing in the future yeah absolutely i appreciate it that's that's the plan and keep on pressing on and and and, uh, and make a, a measurable impact thank you for listening to unpacking excellence with daniel beardsworth daniel beardsworth for more resources on all things packaging head to our website adeptpackaging.com don't forget to subscribe and thanks again for listening.